This is the EWN Podcast Network. Change Redefining Success, the podcast designed to inspire you and give you actionable information to enhance, up-level, reimagine, and reinvent your life and your livelihood. I'm your host, First Class Life Mentor and Certified Profiting from Your Passions Coach, Kate Fessler. My guest today is Beth Gillespie. Beth is a Certified Nutrition Consultant and active member of the National Association of Nutrition Professionals. She is known as an expert in the field of nutrition, serving both healthcare practitioners and their patients. Beth teaches women how to reclaim their energy, focus, and ideal body composition with changes in lifestyle and dietary habits. Her own burnout by the age of 30 was the catalyst that drove her from the telecommunications industry to become a student of nutrition. In addition to working with women on an individual basis, Beth offers group programs that empower women to make lifestyle changes, including her highly successful cleanse programs. Beth combines the best of science, advancements in technology, and a holistic approach to help her clients figure out their unique nutritional needs and get the results they want more quickly. Beth studied at Bauman College in Santa Cruz, California to receive her Nutrition Consultant Certification and completed her Master's of Science in Human Nutrition at the University of Bridgeport. She also recently received her Environmental Medicine Certification, learning how to address environmental toxins that have a significant impact on our energy, brain, hormones, and overall vitality. Beth attends nutrition and functional medicine conferences on a regular basis to stay on top of the latest research in this exciting field and to share her knowledge with her clients. Beth is inspired by her own quest for optimal health and shares her passion with anyone that is ready to make a change for a more energized life. Her personal interests include hiking, reading, yoga, cooking, spiritual growth, live music, and vacations in tropical places, which I think we're all dreaming about with the weather that's going on around the country. Welcome, Beth. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Kate. I'm happy to be here. Well, before you became a highly educated expert in this field of human nutrition, you had a corporate job. Tell me what that was like for you. Well, at first, I was happy to be in a corporate job, and um, I, you know, I, I enjoyed it for a while. And then, as um, the, you know, a few more years went on, I found that I was starting to have a lot of anxiety. Um, especially on Sunday nights, Sunday nights were really, really tough for me, just Mm. dreading going back to work the next day. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a very long commute and, um, thankfully, um, this was during the dot com boom. So that was a while ago, but, um, you know, we didn't have, we weren't as tied to cell phones back then, but it was still, um, a very stressful environment, very competitive, um, you know, I was always putting out a lot of fires and um, just, you know, figuring out how to manage my days and, and make it through a day. Um, so it was uh, something that I 
I'm glad that I, I, I did and I went through, but I'm also glad to be out of that environment. Hmm. So was there one uh, last straw moment or one clear sign that it was time to do something different or how were you feeling when you decided to make a change? You know, I was feeling, um, I was feeling many things. Um, I was feeling burnt out and really, really tired. I didn't have the energy to work out anymore after work, um, the commute, the hours at work. And then um, by the time I got home, the last thing I felt like doing was going to a spin class. I was just completely, completely exhausted. I noticed that I was just, um, you know, becoming more moody just, and I know a lot of that had to do with anxiety, um, not sleeping as well. I also was, of course, questioning my, my purpose and my passion for what I was doing. I didn't feel um, that what I was doing was um, purposeful and I didn't feel very passionate about it. And then I think the last straw for me, Kate, was that I was driving home one day in, you know, the typical commute traffic, stop and go traffic, and I nodded off. And thankfully, it was a very quick nod off. So I woke up uh, right away and was able to slam on the brakes before I hit the car in front of me. But it was just barely. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I cannot do this anymore. Um, I'm going to lose my life. Um, yeah, that's so that, scary. Yeah, it was, it was really, really scary. And I realized then that, hey, this, that was a wake-up call, and I needed to make some major changes. Yeah, boy, yeah, that's definitely a clear sign that it's unsustainable. So how did you... Well, first of all, how long did it take you to actually make, you know, make the break from your corporate job? And did you know what you were going to do when you did that? Um, you know, I, um, that's a really good question. I don't know how long it was before I had that wake up call. And then when I actually left um, my corporate job, but I don't think it was very long probably six months to a year. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know at the time what I was going to do. I just knew that I needed to make the break. Mm -hmm. And it was scary because, you know, here I was in a job that was paying me very, very well. Um, you know, I had my 401k, my ESPP, um, there was a lot of things to think about. Mm, but, so hard to walk away from those things, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh boy. And then of course, I also, when I started, you know, talking to family members and to friends about it, um, especially my family members, you know, are very concerned. Well, you can't walk away from, you know, a really good corporate job that's paying you well, and you've got your ESPP and your 401k, you know, do you really know what you're doing? You know, you start getting that type of feedback. And of course I started, you know, doubting myself a little bit, but in the end, I knew that I wanted to do something else with my life. I just hadn't decided what that was going to be yet. And um, so I took a sabbatical um, and went to actually Australia, New Zealand for seven weeks. And then when I came back, I started investigating 
um, what I wanted to do. And then, of course, that ended up being nutrition. But um, at the time, I did not know that. So how did you decide on nutrition? What was it about it that that uh, drew you to it? You know, I'd always been fascinated with nutrition ever since I can remember. Um, but especially in my teen years, I was just always very interested in, you know, what people ate and what's healthy. And of course, you know, I don't think I always had um, grasped a really good concept about what was truly healthy, but it was always um, something that I was interested in. And so when I came back from the sabbatical, I investigated nutrition schools in the area where I was living at the time and found a whole, you know, these holistic, a holistic school, a holistic nutrition school, which very much interested me and decided that that's, I was going to change my career. Um, and it was scary. I mean, it was definitely scary. I'm not going to pretend like it was just like this very easy transition mm -hmm. because I knew that I was going to be going from a job, which paid me very, very well, um, to being a struggling student again. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, of course, I was um, apprehensive about that. Um, I said, oh, boy, I'm going to have to change my lifestyle. And But, you know, it's very interesting when you find something that you're passionate about, um, which I did um, by going back to nutrition school, I, you know, I, I didn't think about all those other things. I didn't need to go to like fancy restaurants or buy really, you know, buy expensive clothes or try to keep up. You know, I was so, so engrossed in what I was doing that it was very, very easy for me to change my lifestyle. Well, I think that's what we all want, right? Something that's really just, it feels like the right thing. Yes, absolutely. And, um, and, I, and I think that's really important because I think that although I know that I was good at what I did, um, I know that, you know, I um, was definitely a, you know, a performer. I, I, I did a great job um, um, at the, you know, in my corporate job, and I was well paid for it, but I lacked the passion and you know the the purpose. Like this wasn't it wasn't meaningful to me. Now it might have been meaningful to somebody else, Kate. Like totally meaningful. Like that was their path. It just wasn't my path, and right. so I had to listen to that um, because it was creating even more stress than you know the already stressful environment. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I know I went through a similar thing when I was deciding to leave my job. And again, it was, you know, I was really good at it. I was very respected in my field. I was paid well. My family thought I was nuts. <laughs> um, but but I had lost my passion for it. I mean, I had a passion for it at, at one time. Um but I was also suffering from burnout. I was just exhausted all the time. And I I just felt like, boy, I just can't continue to do this for the rest of my life. Um, and so similarly, I decided to leave and, and pursue something that I was more passionate about. Um, and I think sometimes people second guess themselves when they're having those feelings because they think, well, everyone else thinks this is a great job like you know there must be something wrong with me that I can't really appreciate it and um, you know and then sometimes they'll kind of beat themselves up over that but as you said you know it might be exactly the right thing for someone else 
And, you know, it's time for you to move on to something that that gives you that that enjoyment and that sense of purpose. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. And and it is sometimes, as you said, Kate, super confusing to really, OK, is it just, you know, am I just not am I just having a am I just really tired today? And that's why I'm having these thoughts. Do I just need a really good night's sleep? Um, or, you know, maybe I just need, um, a different boss, you know, there's, there's so many, there's so many factors that, that go into it. But I think that when you start, uh, get a good night's sleep and really just focus on, you know, being present and what's coming up for you, um, that's a good way to discern whether or not, okay, is it just cause I'm having a bad day? I haven't been sleeping well lately and, you know nothing's going to make me feel very good right now or is there just something really tugging you know at your heartstrings and something that you feel every day like hey this is this is something that I, I need to listen to and I think what happens is that especially when we're in a corporate environment where everything is so fast-paced and you know we're going 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 so fast and then we just get home and we crash and we go to bed and then we do it all over again um, we spend very little time listening to our, ourselves and, and, and signs that, you know, we might not be happy in what we're doing. Um, and that's something that we really have to pay attention to. We have to listen to those little signs and things that, you know, are um, perhaps, you know, we're shutting out because we're so busy or we just are never present enough to um, fill what we're feeling. Mm-hmm. Well, some of the things too, and and I think discernment is the key here because I know that some of the signs and symptoms of burnout really can be caused by other things. Um, And you may get sort of a false idea that, you know, you need to make a major change when in fact it's really, for example, I I was drinking at least one, if not two soy lattes a day at my job. And I I had these just feelings of kind of like sadness and dep- a little bit of depression, which I later learned can be caused by soy milk. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that some of the some of the nutritional deficiencies that could manifest themselves in things like not being able to sleep well enough at night and because you get into this spiral, right? Like you can't sleep and then you're crabby and then you have coffee and then you can't sleep. And so it's kind of like this, <laughs> this, this treadmill that you get on and you just can't seem to get off. So let's start with sleep because that is one of the crucial things, right? For anybody at any stage of life in any situation is if you're not getting enough sleep, you're not going to be able to, uh, feel as well as you might want to, and you're not going to be able to perform as well in your job or your business or even in your life. What are some things people can do if if their sleep isn't as good as it it should be? Well, and that's a great question because so many people do not sleep well. It's an epidemic. And um, I think a lot of it has to do, we're so plugged in. Um, incredibly plugged in and we have a hard time just turning everything off. So one of the things that I highly, highly encourage to all of my clients is to do your best 
to completely power down um, at least at least 30 minutes, if not one hour before you go to bed. I mean, that includes your cell phone, laptop, iPad, you know, anything. Mm-hmm. Just power down. It's so, so important because if we are working um, right up until we go to bed, um, we are, you know, we're stimulating our brain, we're thinking about work, you know, it's going to be very, very hard for us to go into that parasympathetic, that very, very relaxed mode that we need to be in before we go to sleep. Also, you know, it's been demonstrated and we now know that when we um, use our devices late at night, um, you know, our cortisol, you know, causes our cortisol, which is a hormone secreted by your adrenal glands to go up. And we're actually supposed to, you know, the, the way it's supposed to work is that our cortisol is supposed to be highest in the morning and then gradually go down as the day goes on and be very low before you go to bed. However, when we are exposed to artificial light, so people that work night shifts, for example, or we're constantly, you know, we're on our laptops or our iPads or whatever it may be right up until we go to bed, we are, our cortisol, we're causing our cortisol to actually go up before we go to bed. And then of course that creates the situation where we have a really hard time falling asleep or we might fall asleep, but then we don't sleep well. You know, we wake up or our sleep is not restful. So that is like one of the very first things that I highly recommend. And, um, and that's actually probably the hardest one for most people mm-hmm. is to turn everything off before Power they down. go. Yep. yep. That's probably the hardest one. Um, and then the second one is to really monitor the amount of caffeine that you're drinking throughout the day. You know, everyone metabolizes caffeine differently. Some people metabolize caffeine very easily and other people don't. If you drink like a cup of coffee or a cup of black tea, whatever it may be, and you find yourself getting a little jittery, you, you probably don't process caffeine very well. And you have to even be more careful with caffeine than someone who does metabolize caffeine well. But what I recommend is not having caffeine in the afternoon, using more like energizing drinks, like maybe uh, greens or taking a B complex vitamin or something in the afternoon, but staying away from caffeine in the afternoon and also monitoring how much you're actually drinking um, in the morning. Um, Because what I do, Kate, is I lead a lot of cleanse groups and where we go caffeine free or we go down to one cup of green tea in the morning and that's it. And what I always find is that people thought that they needed to drink you know, two to three cups of coffee. But then after they do the cleanse, like, you know, I I was drinking way too much caffeine. I don't need to drink that much caffeine. I can actually be good with one cup of coffee a day. Or sometimes they even don't, they give up the coffee altogether and they go down to a cup of green tea. But that's really important because what happens is that sometimes we don't realize it, but we have caffeine in the morning. And sometimes even that caffeine, especially if we're really sensitive to caffeine, will affect the quality of our sleep that night. We might be able to fall asleep, but then we might not sleep that well. You know, we have a, you know, that restless type sleep or we wake up at three in the morning. Um, so again, you know, it depends on how well you metabolize caffeine, but that's another, another big one um, to really, really be aware of. Mm-hmm. 
And, um, and then as far as, you know, something that I, I highly recommend as well, because you were talking about your soy lattes, Kate, yeah. and, and um, my, my breakfast um, when I uh, was in my corporate job was I would go to this coffee shop in the morning before starting my commute, and I would have a non-fat, see, I thought I was being super healthy, I would have a non-fat mocha. Mm. with just um, a little bit of whipped cream and then either a banana or um, a mini scone. And I would just, you know, eat a small one or eat half of a regular scone. And, um, and then I would get to work feeling really overly charged up and anxious, you know, and I didn't realize that the food I was eating was contributing to my anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, I was already kind of in this, oh my gosh, going to work, got to deal with a commute. And then I was drinking caffeine, getting tons of sugar in that mocha and the banana or the scone. I mean, just driving my sugar way up, which was, you know, and my cortisol and my adrenaline, especially. And then that was causing even more anxiety than, you know, was necessary. And then the afternoon crash where you go and have to do something to perk yourself back up again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, Um, You know, I just think it's really important for people to also mind what they're having for breakfast. And I know that it's really hard to make a nice big breakfast when you have to be at work early and you've got a commute ahead of you. Um, So in in that case, I, I, I always, you know, I said, hey, if you have really limited time in the morning, make a smoothie, use a good protein powder, put in you know, half a cup of low glycemic frozen berries, throw some pre-washed spinach in there, a little bit of good fat, maybe, you know, half of an avocado or a tablespoon of coconut oil, blend it up, put it into go container and you're good to go. You know, just, just get in a good breakfast. It makes such a difference. And if you are under a lot of stress, um, you know, in a, in a current job, it's really, really, or it's just a very high demanding job. Let's say it's just a high demanding job. Then it's really important that you get in some good protein, some good fats um, in the morning, and then always get your veggies in. Very, very important. And, you know, it's just a really quick breakfast, an easy one that people can take on the road with them. Well, and this applies to, of course, not just people who have stressful jobs, but people who have businesses or even lives that they want to be at peak performance for. Um, exactly. Yep. This is uh, everyone. And if you do have time to do a quick breakfast, you know, in the morning, just easily just cooking up a couple of eggs, put it on a bed of pre-washed spinach and you know, and, and slice up some av- avocado and you're good to go, you know, and, and, and really that breakfast is less, it's about five minutes tops to make that breakfast. But no banana. I think, you know, most people think bananas are really good for you, but it sounds like maybe we're all mistaken. Well, you know, bananas are just, you know, bananas are a tropical fruit. Um, they're high in, very high in sugar. And I wouldn't just eat a banana on its own for breakfast because, you know, it does, I mean, it's going to drive up your blood sugar and then you will what most likely experience that subsequent crash. Now, maybe if you were to put half of a frozen, you know, so I think it's all context, you know, if you were to put half of a frozen banana in a smoothie with, you know, some good protein powder and maybe some uh, greens like kale and some good fat. 
then it's probably not going to have, it's not going to have that like same impact as it would if you were just to eat a banana on its own with a cup of coffee for breakfast. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I did not know that. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're going to take a short break. And then when we come back, I'd like to talk with you about hormones. Are you ready to take your information, wisdom, and experience onto the stage, but you're not sure how? Do you wonder just how to craft a compelling message that creates huge impact and the income of your dreams? If so, then you need to join us on our webinar, How to Triple Your Income Through Speaking, where you'll finally learn step-by-step what it actually takes to make money speaking. You're also going to learn what stops speakers from having an engaged audience that wants to buy, and you'll learn how to have the confidence to get out there and make a big difference on ideal stages. Look, it's time to stop letting your fears get the better of you and step into your power with a message that rocks the world. Register today for your free webinar, How to Triple Your Income Through Speaking with me, Karen McGregor at SpeakerSuccessFormula.com. Thanks for joining us. Back now with your host, Kate Fessler. Welcome back. I'm Kate Fessler, and you are listening to Change, Redefining Success. My guest today is Beth Gillespie, and we're talking about nutrition, burnout, and now hormones. So, Beth, another thing besides nutrition and burnout that can cause brain fog, lethargy, mood fluctuations, and other symptoms, especially in women, is our hormones. Whether it's PMS, perimenopause, or menopause, what are some of the symptoms that we need to be aware of, and how can these be alleviated or even eliminated by making some nutritional changes? Yeah, and and of course, nutrition and stress totally affect your hormones. So this is um, a perfect question. You know, um, there's, you know, I'd like to kind of focus on the adrenal hormones first, uh, which are cortisol, and then of course, our adrenal glands also secrete adrenaline and noradrenaline, which give us the ability to fight or to run as fast as we can, you know, if we're in danger. And which is a really good thing. You know, we we need that. Very, very important to our survival. But what happens um, is that if we are under chronic stress, so we're always stressed out due to commutes or a stressful job or a stressful boss or a stressful relationship, that's when we start getting these symptoms that are not normal and really, really can affect, you know, the quality of our lives. And so, for example, in the early stages of what uh, what, what we like to call adrenal, you know, fatigue, um, I don't know if that's even the proper term anymore, but during the early stages, we actually tend to be kind of revved up. So what's happening is we're secreting maybe too much cortisol, too much adrenaline, too much noradrenaline, and that could be due, you know, the stress, drinking too much caffeine, eating too much sugar because we feel like we need to reach for sugar to calm us down. And so we're in this state of being kind of wired, but we're fatigued at the same time. So we might feel kind of like, oh, gosh, you know, I feel kind of wired and 
I'm going to get all this stuff done. But at the, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm also just like kind of tired and I'm not handling stress. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm getting stressed out really easily. Um, I'm, I'm finding that I'm, 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 I'm anxious a lot and, um, you know, I'm, I'm irritable and, um, everyone's annoying me and I just, I just don't have the patience that I used to have. Um, and you know, my PMS is getting much, much worse, um, you know, for women, at least mm-hmm. men, not, not for the men out there, but for <laughs> women, you know, um, um, you might start getting like more severe PMS symptoms, um, whether that's physical, um, you know, like bloating and, um, you know, just uh, more physical cramping or whether it's mental, emotional, you just get very overwhelmed or you cry really easily or um, you want to kill somebody right before your period <laughs> Um, or you're not sleeping as well. You know, your sleep has become very um, non-restful. And then what happens is that as you get more and more, you, you, if you continue in this state without, you know, taking care of yourself for a year, two years, three years, it's going to vary in each individual. Then you all of a sudden get to this point where your adrenal glands are just starting to like burn out and you're just not secreting as much cortisol or adrenaline or noradrenaline anymore. And you just get into this, you, you become like really tired. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where it's really hard for you to get out of bed. You're not in that wired and tired state anymore. You're just tired and tired. You're ex- com- completely exhausted. You are lacking probably some motivation. You're experiencing brain fog. You definitely have low libido. Um, and you're just wondering how you're going to get through each day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we want to, of course, try to get to people before they get into that totally burned out stage because it takes longer to recover from that totally burned out stage. So does that cover your question of maybe of symptoms and, you know, what people need to look out for? Well, specifically for that, because, and I know, I, you know, I experienced that after I quit my job uh, and I was questioning, like, was it really the job? Because, um, because I was in that place of just being completely just exhausted and and not having to go to work just gave me more time to sleep (laughs) or try to sleep but I still wasn't sleeping as well as I wanted to um and so that's that's a good um a good reminder to people that you know once you hit a certain point like it's really quite damaging um and so how long does it take to recover from something like that and and what can you do um, to recover from that? Well, you know, it, um, it does depend on the person, but it can take, you know, a year, it can take two years, you know, in someone that maybe has a lot of reserves, they might be able to, you know, really feel a lot better in six months. Um, but everyone can start to feel better more quickly, but, you know, it does take a while for the energy to come back once you're in the burnt out state, but there's really a lot you can do. Um, you know, I, I, I think that one thing to do is just take time for yourself, even if that can only be five to 10 minutes in the morning, just take that time to do something that nourishes you. That's really, really important. 
and healing, um, especially if you have burnout adrenal glands. Um, and maybe, you know, that's just practicing, maybe you do a short meditation or you read, you know, some passages from an inspirational book or you write in a gratitude journal, whatever it may be, it's really important to take that time and nourish yourself. Um, and, and, and usually it works best in the morning um, because that way you're sure to get that time in. I think um, another thing that's very, very important is to, especially when you, you know, again, diets differ for everyone depending on where they are in life, stage of life. There's a lot that goes into that. But if you are burnt out, I think it's very important to eat a little bit of protein and some good fats with each meal and then you know, tons and tons of vegetables, of course. But that's really important. It's so important to maintain your blood sugar um, and keep your blood sugar levels steady, especially, again, when you have burnout adrenals because your adrenal glands play a part in regulating your blood sugar. And so if they're burnt out, you really need to even be more, you know, cautious with your diet and get in that protein and those good fats with every meal. Another thing that you can do is take some additional magnesium. When we're under a lot of stress, we really burn through a lot of magnesium. It's interesting, they did a study, which I, I still, I'll never forget learning about the study because I just found it so fascinating. They took two groups. So we have had a control group of workers and then um, and then they had a group that they put under unreasonable stress. Like, so basically what they told this group was that they had to, you know, finish this unreasonable like project by 8 a.m. in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so, and then they measured the urine in, in both groups and they found out in the group that was put under a lot of stresses that they actually um, urinated a lot more magnesium than the control group. So basically they were excreting more magnesium because they were using it up. So it's really, really important when you're under a lot of stress to get magnesium through your foods, which would include your, you know, your, your green leafy vegetables, nuts and seeds are a good source of magnesium. Basically your plant foods are going to be richer in magnesium and also take additional supplemental magnesium. I normally recommend taking anywhere from 300 to 450 milligrams of magnesium before you go to sleep because it helps you relax helps you get into the sympathetic i'm sorry the parasympathetic or the relaxed mode and um i've worked with so many clients who have reported to me that it helps them sleep really helps them sleep so that was um you know something i would highly recommend and also in the healing process I would definitely take a very, very good B-complex supplement with additional vitamin C. Um, that's going to really help support the adrenal glands as well. And when it comes to exercise, I know that people that are you know, really into fitness, this is so hard for them to hear, but often when you're in that fatigue state, you don't have um, the energy for exercise anyhow, but believe it or not, I um, have worked with a lot of clients who, even though they're totally fatigued, will still go and try to get in, you know, a really good aerobic workout because they, you know, it's like, hey, I want to stay fit and um, maybe this will give me more energy. But when you are in the burnout state, I highly recommend doing very gentle, you know, gentle exercise, whether that's, um, you know, um, 
not power yoga, but um, <laughs> you know, short of yoga, um, or just taking, you know, a nice brisk walk, that type of exercise until your energy, you know, you, you start, you know, coming back because what can happen is if you start feeling like, okay, okay, I'm feeling a little better. I'm going to go hardcore. Now I'm going to start doing CrossFit again, that type of thing. It can take you right back to where you were before. So, um, I guess my last piece of advice is patience, patience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a tricky one too, because I know, um, especially when you're coming from an environment where you're under stress to, you know, really get a lot done and to perform. And, and if you do, you know, like we did, you, you quit your job, but then there's a lot of stress to really get moving on the next thing. And, uh, and that can be difficult if you're in that physical state. And so the other thing I would add to that is don't beat yourself up. You know, like really be gentle with yourself and realize that, you know, you're you're sick in a way and you need to help yourself to recover before you can really move on with the other things in your life that you want to get done. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with you. And I think that what has helped me a lot, because I tend to be one of those people that's hard on myself, is that um, I, I have a journal and at the end of each day, I just spend probably two to three minutes at the most writing down three amazing things that happened today so that I'm also, you know, recognizing the good things that happened, the things that, you know, um, uh, were, were good or that I accomplished. So I think that's very important that we're also recognizing, you know, what we, what we actually accomplished in a day, because it's very easy to focus on what we did not do instead of what we did do. Absolutely. And be grateful for the little things. It might not be that you changed the world. It might be that you got out of bed, but you know, a victory <laughs> is a victory, right? <laughs> that, 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 that's right. It's and, 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 you know, and the way we think affects our neurotransmitters, which then in turn affect our hormones. And of course our hormones affect our neurotransmitters too. So it's this really big cycle and, um, and, and, and really, really important and just one other thing I wanted to quickly um, bring up, Kate, as we were talking about hormones, is that I think it's also important if somebody is experiencing a lot of fatigue to either go to a naturopathic doctor or a functional medicine doctor um, and, and also have their thyroid hormones tested. And the reason that that's important is because, you know, if you're, you know, you've been burning the candle at both ends for a while, which a lot of us do in this in this day and age. Um, being in that state where your cortisol is chronically elevated can actually impact your thyroid function. And there's other things that also can impact our thyroid function too, um, like exposure to you know heavy metals or certain environmental toxins. And um, unfortunately, all of this can lower our thyroid function. And of course, our thyroid gland is one is our master gland of metabolism. And so if we're feeling, um, you know, and of course, signs of low thyroid can be weight gain, um, really dry, you know, hair, um, brittle nails, brain fog, also problems sleeping, believe it or not, um, and just feeling sluggish and, 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 you know, very similar to, you know, when your adrenals aren't doing well. So I just think it's very, very important that, 
if somebody's presenting with that picture of being very tired, that they also um, go and have their thyroid hormones checked. Good advice. Good advice. So you just mentioned environmental toxins, and I know that's something that you are currently um, investigating and researching. Um, when we think of environmental toxins, and I think most people think of things like the the big E environment, right? Like things like oil spills or like we had recently here in Seattle, we had a sewage treatment plant overflow. Um but there's, there's little e environmental toxins that are kind of lurking, lurking in a lot of products that we have in our homes and use every day. Isn't that right? Yeah, absolutely. And it can be very overwhelming. So when I'm working with my clients, I actually just focus on usually two areas because, you know, in the end, what you want to do is you just want to lower your toxic load or the amount of toxins coming in, right? And then at the same time, support your organs of detoxification, which include your gut and your liver, um, you know, and your gallbladder and your skin. Um, and so what I recommend is really focusing on what you can control. And so what can we control? We can control the types of foods we're eating. So stay away from a lot of processed packaged foods, which is just loaded normally with all types of preservatives and additives. And then also buy organic whenever possible, whenever we can, because, you know, pesticides, unfortunately, have been linked to all types of hormone issues, you know, and affect our metabolism, affect our thyroid gland. So and, and that's not, you know, that that's been demonstrated now. That's that's science. Um, that's what our you know scientific studies are showing us. Um, and it and even. Oh, gosh. And unfortunately, even fertility and, um, you know, these, these pesticides can also affect, you know, the fetus, um, unborn fetus. And, um, and then, you know, and then we pass it on to babies that haven't even been born yet. Mm -hmm. So it's really, really important that we choose pesticide free shoot, uh, foods whenever possible. And, and that's something that we can control. It's a good thing, right? We can control that. And then the second area where I like to work with my clients, because this is something, again, that we can easily control, is skincare products, which are loaded with phthalates. Again, a lot of research showing um, issues with um, not only cancer, but, you know, our endocrine organs, including, you know, our pancreas and our thyroid gland. So really, really focusing on the skincare products we use getting phthalates, parabens out of those products. There's so many options we have now. It's so easy to switch to brands that are good, that don't have these environmental toxins and that negatively affect our health. And a really good resource um, is the Environmental Working Group. If you go to ewg.org, they actually have this whole skin deep database, which um, rates products. And you can find products that actually are very low risk, have very few chemicals in them that will negatively affect your health. Um, but the big thing to look for is, you know, like para parabens and phthalates in your skincare products. And then, of course, you can use all natural um, cleaning products at home. And I find that's another big one for people, too, is they have a lot of toxic cleaning products in their home, which they can very, very easily switch out um, for cleaners that you know, are not, not toxic. And, 
And some people say, well, you know, they don't clean as well, but you can find ones that clean as well. So Mm -hmm. um, it just takes, you know, a little, you know, you sometimes just have to try a couple different products. Yeah. And what's more important that your house is super clean or that you're healthier? Exactly. Uh, well, that that is actually a fascinating subject, and I think there's probably a whole other show we could do on that. So I'd love to have you back to talk more about the environmental toxins and and all the other things that you're researching. Would you be willing to do that? Yeah, I would love to. It's an area that fascinates me, and I think the more we learn about this, um, the more we can, you know, feel feel vital and, and feel really good every day. Yeah, and who doesn't want that, right? Exactly. So one last question, is there one book or other resource that inspired you or changed your life that you would recommend to our listeners? Well, that's, um, that's, that, that's a good one. Um, you know, it's interesting. Can I, well, maybe, can I do more than one or am I limited to one? <laughs> uh, one to three tops. <laughs> okay. Well, um, you know, I, I had so many books, I think, that impacted me when I, especially when I was first, you know, going to school to learn about nutrition and, um, and to become a nutrition consultant. But, you know, I think one that um, I, I used a lot was um, a book called The Diet Cure, um, written by Julia Ross. And it's really about how food um, really affects our, our chemistry, including our neurochemistry. And I think that really helped me understand the connection between what I was putting in my body and my mood, um, my state of you know, emotional well-being. And I just really didn't draw that connection before. Um, and so it, it's one of those books I have that is so beat up because I used it so much. She also has a book called The Mood Cure, um, which was her second book after The Diet Cure. But The Diet Cure really goes into a lot of the same same thing. So, um, you know, I'd highly suggest that. And then a, another more recent book, I'm just going to bring this one up real quickly for people that, you know, uh, especially for women who um, maybe are having terrible PMS symptoms or um, entering kind of the perimenopausal years. Another great book is called The Hormone Cure by Sarah Gottfried. Um, And she is, um, what I love about the book is that it has all these um, symptom questionnaires, which, you know, of course, doesn't always, you know, they sometimes overlap and that type of thing. But at least it can kind of get you uh, maybe oriented or familiar with symptoms that you might be experiencing that might be related to low thyroid or um, low adrenal hormones or maybe not enough estrogen or too much estrogen. So I highly recommend that book as well. Awesome. All, all three cure books. <laughs> I love the cure. <laughs> So thank you, Beth. That was super informative. Thank you for taking the time to be with me today. Um, If you want more information about Beth and her work, her website is nutritionwithbeth.com. And thank you, Kate, for having me. It was really fun. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed this week's program. If there's a particular topic you'd be interested in hearing about, go to my Facebook page, First Class Life Solutions, and let me know. Next week, my guest will be Petra Mayer. 
With more than 20 years of experience in the corporate world and her private practice, Petra is a business strategy coach based in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. Petra has gone through her share of transitions in her life. She has moved many times between continents and last moved from Germany to Canada in 2001. She'll share her story of transformation from corporate employee to creating her own business when her job moved to a different country and she chose not to follow. As an online business mentor, she helps her clients gain clarity and overcome barriers in order to create an online presence that attracts their ideal clients and is location independent, providing the freedom entrepreneurs seek in their business. I hope you'll join me. Until then, here's to your authentic first-class life. I'm Kate Fessler. Thanks for listening to Change Redefining Success. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at EWNpodcastnetwork.com.